What's up, queens? Welcome to the Female Dating Strategy Podcast, the meanest female-only podcast on the internet. I'm Rope. I'm Savannah. And I'm Lilith. And today we're going to discuss pretty privilege. What is it? It's been a controversial topic on the uh, FDS, I don't know, discussion boards or on Twitter for a long time. I think any privilege debate is going to spark controversy purely because you'll get people who are being accused of having privilege or that particular privilege, whether that's white privilege, class privilege, pretty privilege, you know, saying that actually, no, it's not. But we'll unpack that in this episode. So you guys took opposite opinions about this on Twitter. So this is what sparked it, right? Should I read out my most controversial tweet? I think this got the most engagement like ever. So basically I tweeted June 7th, pretty privilege isn't real. The fact that women's opportunities are conditional on our appearance is female oppression, not a female privilege. And then I go into some examples of this, you know, porn and prostitution, for example, is not, you know, oh, you can make money on OnlyFans or oh, you can get a sugar daddy. That's not porn and prostitution is not a privilege. That's female oppression and so on. Needless to say, you know, that was a very polarizing statement. It got like 8,500 likes, but it also got like almost 400 quote tweets and a lot of comments, a lot of disagreement coming from all sides. Like there was the femme cell crowd being like, yes, pretty privilege is real and you bitches have something that we don't. And then there's the men who are like, oh, like attractive women have it so great, yada, yada, yada kind of thing. And then there's others who took a more moderate approach who are saying, yeah, pretty privilege is real, but you know, there are some downsides to it for women and so on. So my views have only softened ever so slightly ever since the backlash of that tweet. But my opinions are pretty much the same that like, you know, the costs of being beautiful for women are high and that the benefits of being attractive are negligible and that it's not that pretty privilege essentially works differently for men and for women and for women it can be more of a liability i don't actually remember actually (laughs) jean was a long time ago okay my brain's a bit fuzzy and i was just recovering for surgery but i did want to have this episode because even though i think me and lilith disagree on some aspects of it i think ultimately we overall agree but we'll come to that in the episode so what i think i'm just gonna say it pretty privilege is a thing you have things like the halo effect which affects both men and women and when we talk about pretty privilege for women we're not just talking about it in how they come across to men as well even other women are taken in and they treat other attractive women better than unattractive women if you ask any woman who has changed in terms of her social desirability for example if she's lost weight if she's gained weight if she's had had a dramatic shift in her appearance, any kind, they'll tell you that the way they were treated, say, before they lost weight is very, very different to how they were treated um, after they've lost weight. It's not necessarily on the macro level in the sense that they get more interest from men or that their career takes off or whatever. It can just be on the micro level. So I noticed that when I like lost a substantial amount of weight, I would go to the supermarket at the checkout and I wasn't used to people really making an effort with me like socially before. But I remember one occasion there was a guy at checkout he was quite attractive and I just dumped my things the conveyor belt not really wanting to chat I was like hey and then he was like hey then I was just like staring off into space just waiting to pay and for my shit and get out and then he was like oh so you've got a cheesecake in your shopping I was like yeah it was like what's your favorite flavor I was like like lemon I remember I was proper screw facing him because I was like why are you talking to me like this (laughs) how dare you (laughs) why are you making small talk but it's the little things like that that can change 
if you are deemed conventionally or not conventionally attractive. And, and, you know, whilst people might say, well, that's just a small thing, but if you have been, say, a social outcast, getting that sort of treatment is A, quite disconcerting, but also it makes you realise just how badly you were treated before or ignored before you became more conventionally attractive. But I do want to caveat as well that pretty privilege when, and again, I alluded to this at the top of the episode, but pretty privilege does not mean that attractive women are not oppressed. And this is where me and Lilith agree is that attractive women are absolutely oppressed. And I feel like saying pretty privilege doesn't exist because attractive women are also oppressed is sort of the same argument that people try to make when they say white privilege doesn't exist because of the presence of, you know, working class white people, white people who are subjected to oppression. And that's absolutely valid. But the difference is, is that, you know, if we take the example of white privilege, you know, white working class people are not oppressed because they are white. They are oppressed because they are working class. And that's a different form of social oppression and privilege. So in terms of like, when it comes to pretty privilege, then if we look at that, I would argue that attractive women are not oppressed because they are attractive. They are oppressed because they are women because the same issues and the same oppression that attractive women face are also faced by unattractive women just to to varying degrees so that's the argument i would make on this topic okay bro what are your thoughts so i think pretty privilege has some benefits but a lot of drawbacks and really hard limitations and one of the things that i think fds has as an overarching theme tried to impress upon women is that like you can't pretty privilege your way out of patriarchy, right? So like a lot of what people are considering to be pretty privileged or like you would be able to have if you were prettier. And I don't consider just like physical attractiveness part of pretty privilege. It's also just like the entire packaging of like the submissive feminine woman. And you see all these like lifestyle coaches and femininity coaches trying to like capture that feminine essence because they think that that kind of performative femininity is going to grant them certain levels of privileges in society that it often doesn't. And that's why I'm somewhat skeptical of the pretty privilege discussion, because there's a lot of women that really buy into that, like Cinderella story that, okay, if I'm meek and beautiful and feminine, then like some Prince Charming is going to come out of nowhere and like take care of me, etc. And honestly, all it does is a lot of times get them exploited and abused. So I think when I think of pretty privilege I think of it more or less like, okay, does performative femininity, what does it get you in a patriarchal society? What does it get you in our society? Well, it definitely gets you a lot of um, service industry jobs. But again, that's service industry. You're still in a service position, right? That's what I'm saying. It's like, to me, there's a difference in pretty privilege and how it manifests for like working class girls versus like upper class women. And I feel like a lot of working class women are always sold this fantasy that they'll end up being like upper class women if they just sort of focus on their feminine charms. But more often than not, what happens to like pretty working class girls is yes, they're relegated to hospitality industry. So if you want to be a waitress, a server, a sex worker, or like just like side piece or a mistress, like a lot of these like Instagram model types that end up sex workers or side pieces or mistresses to like to more successful wealthy men they get i guess privilege in the sense of like if you want to be a sugar baby or have like a transactional relationship um, and want to be sexually exploited by men who have means then if you want to make money off your looks like i guess you could call that even women in the modeling industry are treated like absolute trash they don't make very much money they're sexually exploited all the time they're abused 
A lot of them are prostituting to like supplement income. A lot of them are raped. A lot of them are pressured into prostitution or tricked into it. So I want to say that like, okay, does it grant you certain things? And I'm like, well, I don't even know that it grants you like above minimum wage job to be blunt, like even if you're like extremely beautiful because models don't make that much. So when I look at it, I'm like, what does it give you as far as like tangible assets? Like if you have other skills besides being pretty, then I think being pretty obviously will give you a leg up. But a lot of women who like have this fantasy that like, I'm going to meet like a rich six figure guy and he's just going to take care of me. Like more than likely they date within their social circle because class privilege trumps pretty privilege. So you'd be way, way, way better off like trying to get your education. Even if you are a model, like putting yourself in the types of circles or giving yourself some kind of monetary power on your own. So even if you are a model, like getting endorsement deals or some things that you can like sustain your own lifestyle so that like when you get into these circles with men that you like, you have some element of power and then they're just not straight exploiting you right? And dangling like a carrot of money above your head. I guess I just take the opinion that like, yeah, it gives you a little bit of a benefit, but it it doesn't necessarily immediately translate into like real tangible power in the world. Yeah. Like I feel like, especially if you're a woman, attractiveness privilege is like the least powerful kind of privilege that you could have, right? Like Savannah compared it to, you know, saying pretty privilege doesn't exist because attractive women are still exploited is similar to, you know, saying white privilege doesn't exist because of poor white people. The difference between that, I think, is that like whiteness, even for poor white people, isn't itself a liability, right? Whereas when you're a woman and you're beautiful under patriarchy, it's like the more beautiful you are, it also kind of puts a target on your back in a way, right? Like you just get more men that want to exploit you. Yeah, like unattractive women absolutely can be exploited, right? It's not like, you know, if you're a poor white person, being white is itself a liability. Whereas if you're a woman under patriarchy, being beautiful itself presents its own unique set of dangers, so to speak, or increases certain types of danger. It's the old fem cell argument. I know we, we're we going to try to leave them alone because I know we just did an episode that was uh, controversial about fem cells, but a lot of them are complaining about being romantically ignored. Some of them are, are actually harassed and bullied. A lot of them are complaining very similar to the insults that they're just honestly like completely ignored. Now, is that preferable to being a constant target of sexual harassment and abuse and men like trying to triangulate you and, and neg you and abuse you all the time? And a lot of beautiful women get a lot of that because men look at them like a trophy and then seek to control them, right? So like, is there privilege in being somewhat invisible, right? Is there a privilege in going through life, like me- <laughs> what do they call it, medium ugly? Like not being the target of male, like, I don't know. There's this weird sort of contradictory thing within like the fem cell space where it's like, you know, men are dangerous, you know, men being attracted to you doesn't mean anything because they all demonic pedophiles or whatever, right? Like they think that men being attracted to you is dangerous, but at the same time, some of them think that they're oppressed because they're not getting enough male attention. So it's like, which is it, right? Do you think that men being attracted to you is a privilege or a source of danger? I'm more of the view that it's that it puts you in danger when you get more male attention, actually. If we can all agree that like men are more likely to be violent than women and that men are dangerous, wouldn't it then follow that more men having their eyes on you or, you know, drawing more male attention would put you in more danger than not? I think in the case of the firm cells, it's not so much about wanting to get the same level of attraction as an attractive woman, but it's that element of social exclusion. Like I've said, like, I mean, if you can imagine being treated like you're literally invisible is not nice for anyone, even if they recognize that, you know, that male attention is dangerous or whatever, but to live your life being 
ignored or being basically mocked and it isn't even like it's like personally sometimes in a way for me personally like when I was bigger it was better to be I mean not really mocked but it was more like at least they were taking notice of you but people will literally look straight through you like you're not even there and that is quite dehumanizing especially if you're in a group of people and everybody's talking to your more conventionally attractive friends and everyone's ignoring you that's not nice and again I'm not going to get into the oppression olympics and say which one's worse because I think that they're both bad in their own ways. And it also depends on the effect of the individual. Because some women, they don't mind being ignored by men. In fact, they're perfectly happy just to not get any male attention. But I can see why a lot of women would feel uncomfortable with that and have that cognitive dissonance. Because like right from the beginning, you know, femme cells are also not immune to the patriarchal conditioning that everybody else is. You know, women have been told that your worth lies in whether or not a man finds you attractive or not. And, you know, femme cells aren't immune to that condition as well and so when they don't get that it's not just so much as that I'm not getting a man it's the fact that I'm not even you know seen as a human being can you tell us like possibly like a quasi femme cell when I was younger no I mean I, I actually think that input is valuable like I think it is important to empathize with women who had different experiences from you right like I mean for me personally like I don't know how to say this. Like, it just makes me feel so fucking empty when I know that men are only being nice to me because they want to fuck me. Like, this happens so many times where, like, men will be superficially nice when they just first meet me. And then the moment I have any kind of, like, boundaries or I say no or they face any rejection, that's when they go psycho on me or lash out at me. Or, like, that's when I face a sort of, like, punishment. And so it makes me feel very, like... It feels empty knowing that people are only being nice. I, I don't want to be the kind of like, oh, it's so hard being beautiful. Like, I know that sounds really stupid. I can imagine that as well. Again, it's dehumanizing. It's just another way to dehumanize women. Exactly. Well, not just dehumanizing, but it just feels very like I'm being held hostage. Like I have to be nice. You know, men often complain about the friend zone and stuff, but I actually think that it's better for women to acquaintance zone men. Like you'll get the best treatment from men when they're like an acquaintance. If you keep them at a distance, if they think that they have a chance with you, maybe if they play their cards right kind of thing at some point in the future, but you always have to make sure that's like a distant possibility without actually rejecting them. It's like very like hard line to toe but yeah like I, I don't know I just yeah I just pretty much go through like feeling really empty that like that that sort of treatment is conditional so the other thing too is that the way that men treat you is also very class dependent and very race dependent right and this is where I say like being beautiful can be like an extreme liability for so for me who has at times lived in extremely poor neighborhoods what I'm saying is that there are men who literally stand on street corners and harass the shit out of you all day long that make and try to like sexually exploit you try to pimp you try to do these types of things because they see you as an asset that they can exploit for their own personal gain so the thing about that is that if you're not in a safe environment where like the criminal element isn't around so to speak for like working class and poor women like being attractive can actually be a, a massive liability in those environments and not to say that that doesn't happen to other women doesn't say that's not like women that aren't unattractive don't experience it because like all women are going to experience that let me just be very very clear about that that all women are going to experience that to a certain extent but like if you're looked upon as an asset to men then they get very very like aggressive in their attempts to try to own and exploit you Exactly. Historically, like women used to be secluded because, you know, they couldn't just go out in public by themselves unaccompanied because they'd get fucking kidnapped and sold into sexual slavery, right? So many like times throughout history where slavery was legal, like Scandinavia, Middle East, Ottoman Empire, you know, probably I'm guessing also transatlantic slavery, like, you know, attractive women were literally kidnapped from their homes and like forced into sexual slavery, right? So, and that still happens now with prostitution and pimping. 
I mean, the guys will even say things, very vulgar things, like, I bet I could get X amount of money for you, right? That's disgusting, yeah. They understand what men find sexually attractive, so they look at that person like, okay, I could get a lot of money for you. And so they almost look at you like a... Yeah, they look at you like an asset that they could exploit or coerce. And even in countries that countries that um, where women are forced into marriage, it's a very similar dynamic, even though they're forced into marriage uh, to one guy, they're also forced into that marriage because they look a certain way, right? Because like, there's sort of an aggressive need for men to control that person. So I'm not saying like, you guys should cry tears for like beautiful women all the time. But I'm just saying that like, like, I feel like if you exist on the extremes, like if you're an extremely unattractive woman, and you're extremely attractive woman, like they come with actually it's a double-edged sword on both sides where it comes with like some benefits, but then also like some really, really big drawbacks as well. There's nothing wrong with being average. There's nothing wrong with being like medium ugly. It's okay to be average. Yeah. Medium ugly for the win. That's the real privileged woman who's here is the woman who's, you know, attractive enough to not be socially excluded, but not so beautiful that she'd be literally kidnapped into sexual slavery. So, you know, that's the real privilege. And that's a joke, by the way. So one thing we didn't talk about yet is how does this affect your female friendships? Because a lot of times on both sides of the aisle, you hear extremely attractive women being like, it's very hard for me to make friends because people think I'm trying to steal their boyfriend. Women feel threatened by me. People don't want to be friends with me. And then on the other hand, you have like the femcells who will say that like, people don't want to be friends with me because I'm a social liability. Okay, what you said triggered me so bad because like, so recently we had a company barbecue. I met some of the spouses of some of the guys that I work with. And some of these women were just like hostile to me for like no reason. I'd never interacted with these women or barely even interacted with their man. And I'm like, why are these bitches being so hostile to me? Like, you know, like, do you think I'm going to steal your man? Or what do you like, you think I'm his work wife or what? Like, what what are you thinking? Is it going on? There's nothing happening, right? And so I'm like, yeah, there's definitely times like that where I'm like, I don't know. But then there are t other times where, yeah, I do feel like people want to be my friend. I don't struggle to make friends either, right? So it's, it's a minefield. I do think that, you know, just like dating down is a thing, I believe that friending down is a thing, that people seek out friends who they perceive to be doing worse than them, whether that's in terms of their looks or career or their jobs or their money. So it's absolutely a thing. And again, a lot of people who have, I'll use example of like weight loss, because that's what I'm familiar with. But a lot of people who have lost a lot of weight have said their friendships have changed. Like they noticed that, you know, when they became more conventionally attractive by losing way their friends were just not happy for them they would make you know little digs at them or they would just make it or it would become apparent that their friend then became I guess annoyed that they were no longer the fat friend who made them look better that happens all the time. In fact, when you have bariatric surgery, when you're on the prep for it, they do counselling specifically around relationships because the divorce rate after bariatric surgery is ridiculously high. Why? Because of what I've just said. People change, people realise that actually this person who I was with because they're not conducive to my weight loss because you get partners who they feel so threatened by their partner's weight loss, they'll intentionally sabotage it. The person who's lost weight might realise actually <laughs> I can do better. Yeah, Okay, I can see that, yeah. But this also happens to friendships as well. Like, they literally tell you, like, you know, you're going to lose, potentially lose your friendships, your relationships might change. And that's actually a real thing because of that as well. So, yeah, I'd say it's absolutely a thing. People, if we accept that dating down is a thing, then, like, friending down is also a thing. 
So I always think it's interesting because I think for a lot of beautiful women, they wouldn't necessarily, unless they're extremely shallow people and there are extremely shallow people, a lot of people just want to be friends with people just to be friends. And sometimes it comes across to them that it's not that they're trying to like befriend down. They just want to hang out with people they find interesting, but then they're perceived as a threat wherever they go, right? I don't know. I just love women. I just instinctively want to be friends with all women, whether she's more attractive than me or less attractive than me. And then I don't really think that much about that. But then it's like other people think about it more than I do. I I don't know. I mean, some people, it just comes down to their security level because I've definitely been part of like school, work, whatever. Someone else comes to the job and they're attractive. And then it's like the established social order gets like their panties in a bunch. (laughs) Right about like that. I bet she's stuck up. I bet she's like this. I bet and like they put all these like imaginary traits on somebody that don't exist because they look a certain way because they're ultimately like insecure and threatened. I've experienced it. I've also been a part of a crowd where like I was already established in that crowd, and then you're seeing someone else come new, and then like how the way that some women just like immediately start attacking other women for basically no reason. And if you watch reality TV, like you see that kind of stuff all the time. Like uh, women tend to just eat a new person because they feel like they're attractive or anything and they're not immediately like extremely meek and nice. Then like they feel like, oh, that person's a stuck up bitch. They're trying to steal your man. Like they basically describe every single negative trait a woman could possibly be to a, a woman because she's beautiful and she's not like quiet or stupid or something that they can feel superior about immediately. So, okay, what you're describing, there's a similar thing with like goat hierarchies. I've mentioned like I have relatives that have uh, goats and I love observing goat hierarchies because there's a similar thing where like there's the established social order, you know, with the the does, the females, they're all kept in like one herd, right? And so they have a sort of established social order. And then if they bring in a new doe from another farm or something, or if one of the does leaves the farm for a while and comes back later, there's almost always like a giant like, and they're like headbutting each other to try to figure out who's the alpha female kind of thing, right? Like there's always conflict whenever a new doe is introduced or reintroduced, they got to figure out what's the social order kind of thing. And so... I don't know. Goats are intelligent and social animals. Humans are intelligent and social animals. So, I mean, maybe that's just normal. You know what I mean? Like, that's just sort of to be expected with animals where there's a hierarchy and, you know, they're social and power struggles are real and, and so on. So, I definitely know what you mean where I talked about this a bit in the surviving office politics episode, like the catfight episode where... You know, my tip when you're entering a new office environment, new working environment, it's really important to like present yourself as non-threatening and not as a target of other, you know, if you want to win at office politics, you have to have as many allies as possible. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I do kind of present myself as like meek and non-threatening when I'm in a new social situation. It's not until later that people (laughs) realize I'm not maybe so nice and non-threatening, but you got to have a good first impression, I guess. But it is something to be aware of as a woman, like, you know going into a new social situation like that. You know, I actually, now that, now that I'm thinking about it, it actually kind of pisses me off that I have to be meek and not present myself as meek and non-threatening just to like not be attacked, right? Yeah, that's a specific type of sexism that I don't think people realize. Like, like can't just be myself? What? Like, what do you mean? I, I don't know if you found this to be true or not, Savannah, or if like if you've heard about this or like where women who were overweight and then lost a lot of weight, that like their personality is not acceptable on a beautiful woman on a thin woman, that certain aspects, like being kind of an asshole or speaking your mind, I don't even call it being an asshole. I think being an assertive woman or being a woman who sets boundaries is like more accepted. Accepted. Yeah. A hundred percent. hundred percent. 
if you're not conventionally attractive, if you start to get like more attractive and people just like descend on you, like you're a problem. I think that's a function of misogyny and patriarchy where like they need beautiful women to be like submissive. And it's like women who are both attractive and assertive get so much more hate than women who are just one or the other, but not both, you know? So that's the other thing. It's like you're seen as more of a threat if you're attractive and assertive at the same time, which again, I feel like it's a great liability to women because this doesn't apply to men, by the way. Like a man who's attractive and assertive is seen as more respectable than a man who's one or the other. And to be fair, like you don't get people saying, so who's an attractive, oh, Chris Hemsworth slept his way to the top of Hollywood. But how many attractive actresses have been accused of that, even if it's not true? Exactly. Yeah. And I wonder, I mean, because that assertiveness tax, maybe we'll call it the assertiveness tax that's placed on attractive women is placed by both men and by women. We know why men do it. Men do it because they want to control the woman. And then women do it because I think they also ally with the men. And that's why it can be somewhat dangerous if you're an attractive woman trying to be friends with pick because they're so male identified that they want to, you know, they want to attack you too, because the men want to control you or like bring you down a notch. And then it makes them feel better to bring you down a notch. Well, the pick want like male validation, right? And so if they're like, I'm one of the good ones. I bully women like Lilith. They're bitches and they deserve to be humbled. And like they get a lot of positive male attention for engaging in that. So I don't know. Office politics tip though. So then if you're an attractive woman. You have to be two-faced. Honest to God. (laughs) Hard mode is trying to be an attractive woman in an office full of like misogynist males and pick me women because you would have to build allies with women who are instinctively going to dislike you from the jump. And so you would have to try to like make it so that they realize that by being your friend, first of all, you first you'd have to like make it seem like being your friend would give them a better shot with the men. And this is a tactic I've, I've used a couple of times if I had the ability to, where if I knew one of the guys was attracted to me, because like they're so predictable. Pickneys are obnoxious. This is like high school type drama, but it really honestly translates to the real world too. But like if there's like a quote alpha male or a male who's like attractive in the office and he happens to be attracted to you for whatever reason, like you have to try to get in his good graces because then the pick will fall in line because then they realize like, oh, well, they'll get mad at you at first, meaning like they'll hate you. But like if they realize like she's going to have access or it's like sorority rules, right? Like if you're the alpha female and you're going to have access to like the men, then they all want to have access to. So then they'll try to be your friend or like they'll at least publicly try to seem like they agree with you so that they can be on the, in the in group because they have no loyalty to each other as women. They immediately are going to have loyalty to whichever woman they think is going to get the most respect from the men. Yeah, and that kind of hierarchy is very unstable. And I have like no respect for women who follow it. That's the problem. The problem is when it works, I just have zero respect for the women it works on. I'm like, you're a dumbass. Like, and I hate that's the problem. I hate the feeling of insecurity. Like, first of all, playing to these kinds of politics like makes me feel dirty, even though I do it all the time. And secondly, it's very anxiety inducing knowing how unstable your position of power is. Yeah. Exactly. That's the thing with pretty. So I guess that's another discussion about pretty privilege is like, I guess it can work for you if you're in an environment full of pick and misogynist men, and you can get the attention and well, you get the attention because you're pretty, but you still have to do the work to like gain boundaries and respect from the men, then you can basically control all of the other women in that environment because they're dumb followers. And like the queen bee is always the woman who they feel like is going to get the most attention from men because they're pick And that sort of like leads into my next thought about, and this is the point that I think the femme cells completely miss, is that 
pretty privileged as we've touched on towards the top of the episode it doesn't guarantee better treatment from men and also Lilith you know went into it in more detail but just like Ro uh, touched on just now it ultimately comes back to your boundaries and your standards and your ability to walk away from poor treatment which is why FDS Generally, we don't talk so much about looks maxing as perhaps other female spaces do, purely because ultimately it doesn't make a difference. If your standards are still shit, it's not going to make a difference, ultimately. I mean, you'll still end up entertaining the sorts of men that you really should have cut off from the jump, ultimately. I mean, basically pretty privileged where it absolutely doesn't translate to, which and where it doesn't exist, I would say, is into relationships with men. Yeah, I mean, if you see a lot of mean girl dynamics where to tie the two concepts together, the one I gave about like being the queen bee among pygmies is that a lot of times the queen bee among pygmies tolerates a lot of shit to keep that position. Yeah, from men and women. Yeah, exactly. So they look the other way whether man cheats. I mean, a lot of the women who are being treated the most poorly in their relationships are women who are married to like powerful men or in relationships with powerful men for whom that's now become their seat of power or their source of identity. Their only power in the world is funneled through them having the approval of this man. And it's precarious because then the men know that and they abuse it all the time, right? So then like the women want to keep the image that they're powerful. So they'll just look the other way. They'll deny, they'll deflect. That was kind of similar to when we were talking about about the anatomy of a scandal show where all of her power comes through her husband. She has like the position of being the wife of a very powerful man. And so she's got to keep up appearances. She's got to look the other way when he does really crappy things. And then all of the other women more or less like she wants to maintain that position of like people looking up to her and having perceived power, but she doesn't have the power. She only has the power through the man that she's associated with. And that is precarious. You can lose that. Like, and a lot of women do, right? Yeah, like if your power is based on your proximity to powerful men, that's not real inherent power. You could lose that at any second also if he just decides to leave you. And the other point I wanted to make about attractiveness being liability is that there have been studies about how attractive people, men and women, face do experience more opportunities in their career. The one exception is attractive women in male-dominated industries. And I work in a male-dominated industry, and that's been very true for me. Like Men tend to assume I'm less confident, or they mansplain, or they talk down to me, or... It's very frustrating, because like sometimes I actually have to sort of play dumb just to not be abused. And that's what I mean about like attractiveness and power for women is a very complicated relationship. And it's often more of a liability than a privilege. Because if I were to go into the office and just be my regular, like assertive, like self and like not trying to play dumb or I almost feel like I have to downplay some of my accomplishments and like be pretend modest and stuff just to not get a target on my back, right? As soon as I start, you know, more openly bossing people around. Here's the other thing is like, I basically have to be manipulative. Like it actually sucks that like, basically the only way to get shit done as a woman in a male dominated industry when you're attractive is to low key. Yeah, you kind of have to be manipulative. You can't just like openly make demands the way that a man in power would because you know, people think you're a bitch, people think you're a cunt, like no one wants to work for someone like that. You know, if you have a leadership role as a woman in that kind of environment, and it really just sucks when yeah, men just assume you're dumb, and you're put in a situation where you have to play along or play dumb, or else you get attacked. And so that's another reason why. And I think that if you've never experienced what that's like, you might not believe that or you might think it's not a big deal or whatever. It's never nice to be undermined in the workplace in any way, shape or form, especially because of the way you look, ultimately. Yeah. So definitely I empathize with women who feel like being invisible has limited their opportunities and so on. 
And I guess what I'm kind of hoping for is that, you know, women who have not had the same experiences as me, that maybe they'll feel, they'll empathize with my experience and that maybe, you know, we can work together to overcome patriarchy. That's like what I would like. That's like my, <laughs> that's what I want, but it's unfortunately not always realistic. And a lot of women, regardless of their looks, just don't have any loyalty to other women. And that's what it comes down to, because you have both groups pointing at each other. I mean, it's a divide and conquer strategy, right? If they pedestalize certain types of women and those women, especially if they're power hungry, like Serena Joy types, if you've ever seen uh, Handmaid's Tale. So like you have like the Serena Joy types who like revel in their this power position, even though it's limited and dependent on the men in their lives. They're very antagonistic. And they weaponize their pretty privilege against women who are less attractive. They want to be the queen bee. They want to exploit other women. They like being there. And I don't, the irony of this is that part of the reason why feminism is uh, constantly like losing ground, even by purported like feminists on the left, is that because women at the top of the hierarchy and both these situations actually, I feel like a lot of liberal feminists as well as like conservative types do this all the time. Like it's a way for them to have a certain level of privilege that they can weaponize against other women. That's how like the hashtag girl boss type of thing came about, where it just became about like women doing these like multi-level marketing schemes and like where it's based on their looks etc. And then like not really walking the walk when it comes to actually empowering women by any type of means. Or they just want to like look and t- sound like a feminist, but not actually make any real tangible change. And those types of women tend to get elevated within like, institutions that have men at the, at the helm of them, right? You have a lot of women that talk feminist, so to speak, but like ultimately they're in it for themselves. They don't see women as a class. And that's the difference between like liberal feminism and radical feminism where, and when we were talking to Dr. Gail Dines, which she said uh, very similarly, like there's a certain level of feminists, they're always like, I got mine and fuck the rest of my sisters, right? And then like, I think conservatives are a little bit more open about the fact that they're like that. Although like they look at it more like from the perspective of like marriage, where like a lot of these women like to be, they get leadership roles in the sense of like, they're the PTA mom and they have this and they have that. They want their kids to have the best and they want their family to have the best. They don't really care about women outside of their group. I just think that tendency for women who are at the top of the hierarchy, whether it's class privilege or beauty privilege, to weaponize it against the West of women is why we don't get anywhere. And then the women at the bottom, the women who don't have those things, sometimes they're a little bit overzealous because of like the shitty women who are like that. And then like they attack any woman who they think might be a threat because they think she's attractive or she has this. And so she's automatically going to be against me and she's automatically going to be a problem. They just like look at a woman and they find excuses to tear her down immediately. Right. So like those two factions are always warring with each other. Instead of with men who are the ones oppressing all of us. (laughs) Instead of with men. There we go. Yeah. (laughs) And that's why I think pretty privilege is really like the crux of like maybe a lot of feminist fights. Or perceived pretty privilege. Because again, like I feel like the people who don't experience pretty, pretty privilege, they vastly overestimate the benefits and they don't seem to realize the hazards that are associated with it or they minimize those hazards. And so that causes them to just feel less and less, you know, there's this belief like, oh, if you know, this sort of fight the power thing, oh, if you have more power than me, if you have more privileges than me, then it's okay for me to attack you. But then it just, again, it just creates that infighting within women. And it also takes out the nuance that pretty is subjective. There are people that will look at Beyonce and say she's not attractive. Like, it's not a one and done thing but it's actually true like there's not um i remember anthony joshua who was like a really hot boxer in the uk he was accused of sleeping with amir khan's wife so amir khan was a fellow boxer and his wife is you know your typical i guess 
Instagram baddie almost. She's had a lot of plastic surgery, like hair extensions a lot. And he basically, Auntie Joshua was like, yeah, now nah, I prefer BBWs. And everyone lost their minds over it. Yeah, so he was like, <laughs> and this is, if you Google Anthony Joshua, like he is, an, I would say, a very, very attractive man. He's very tall. He's very rich. And even he was like, I prefer BBWs. So it's just like this whole concept of even pretty and attractive is highly subjective anyway. Yeah, that's true. I'm watching, I'm looking, actually both Amir and Anthony Joshua are quite handsome. Yeah, his wife is very thin. Your typical Instagram baddie, right? Basically. Insta baddie look, yeah. And he was like, yeah, now nah, I prefer BBWs, LOL. Eyelashes to the gods, darling. <laughs> so yeah, it is subjective. And also you can age out of it. That's the other thing. That's the other elephant in the room is that you can age out of your pretty privilege. And so the women whose entire power... Oh, we got to be careful with this because when we talk about the episode where I said like, Oh, some of these toxic queen bees, they age out of being fuckable. For some reason, like a bunch of women over 40 took that as like me saying, you know, women over a certain age are objectively unattractive. I don't think that. I think there's a lot of beautiful women of all ages, right? My grandma's like almost 90 and she still has suitors, right? Okay, so your attractiveness as a woman doesn't end like when you get older. What I'm saying is we're talking about like what males idealize and males... Under under the rules of patriarchy, yeah. Under the rules of patriarchy, yeah, like men do favor younger women, unfortunately. Like, that's just the reality of it. But also, like, the older you get, the less men are older than you, right? Like, so... A lot of guys are into MILFs, though, and cougars. So, I mean, there's that. MILFs and cougars, but I'm just saying, like, if you think of the average company, I don't know what the average age of, like, a person who's, like, the CEO of a company, they're probably going to be, like, somewhere in their 40s or 50s. So, like, if you end up in your 40s and 50s, then there's just not as many men. It's like there's, if you're 20, then there's like, there's men who are 30 years older than you all along those type that have power, et cetera. If you're 40, there's not as many men who are like 50 to 70, right? Or like 40 to 70. So it's like, to me, like you don't necessarily stop being beautiful, so to speak, so much as that like the population on the other side of your age and the upper age becomes smaller than the population that's younger than you. So that's just, that's just what happens. It doesn't mean like you're suddenly like ugly. It just means that like, you know, kids want to date kids. People tend to date people their own age. And also men die younger, right? So as a woman, the older you get, the smaller your dating pool if you're looking for men the same age as you, because yeah, again, men die younger. So yeah. My point about like aging out of pretty privilege is like, okay, if you have all of your power is dependent on a man, it's going to be dependent on how long he can maintain that power and how long you can maintain, you can be associated with him. If you get divorced, which a lot of people do, like wealthy people, if you get divorced, then it's kind of like Jacqueline. I keep like referencing shows. People watch all of these shows on Netflix, but it's like Jacqueline from The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, right? Like all of her power in that high powered society came through her husband. And now she has a little bit of money from the settlement, but like she can't necessarily like right away use her pretty privilege. She has to use her class privilege and she has to like rely on the money that she got from him to try to start her own agency to get back into that social circle because it's going to be harder to be a power couple. Have you already had your kids and you've already been divorced and you've already got, like gotten your money? You essentially like can age out of a such situation where you're able to weaponize being beautiful to like on other women and be queen bee in the office. Like if you're no longer with that man. Okay. So I think to like start to wrap up this episode and like couch it, I think we did a good discussion about the drawbacks of pretty privilege. It does exist to a certain extent, but also comes with like some severe caveats. But I also thought it'd be good to talk about perceived class privilege can actually be for a woman who's like not necessarily has quote unquote pretty privilege, how that can actually does sometimes have some benefits. 
I think generally in the privilege discussion, whether it's race or attractiveness, like class isn't spoken about anywhere near enough and got such a huge impact on people's trajectories, regardless of if they're white or if they're black or if they're attractive or if they're not. That's just not really spoken about. Yeah. So for me, especially like going from being working class to like going to white collar jobs, like I had to learn all the like basic bitch white collar job language (laughs) and grooming, et cetera, that I didn't know before. I maybe I shouldn't say basic bitch. I had to learn all of (laughs) (laughs) them. When I say basic bitch, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like someone who like shops at like Tory Burch, right? And (laughs) and it's also the stuff that you couldn't afford to do before as well you know yeah i couldn't afford to do it maybe i shouldn't call them basic bitches but like the pumpkin spice latte drinking ray dunn like it's become like a trope where like there's an image that certain like middle class mostly white women who come from like specific types of educated backgrounds that's how they look a certain way which is like a world of difference from a person who comes from my background came from so like one of the things that i had to learn was how to physically like change my wardrobe or my dress that I fit in with this environment, but also looked authentic to myself. And this is when we talk, that's where a lot of people who are not of that demographic talk about like how hard it is to be like be professional. And there's been controversies and discussions about like different types of hairstyles that are appropriate for work. Because if you don't look a certain way, you know, if you don't have like straight long hair, you know, that's always like considered the most professional. But if you have curly hair, you know, obviously if you have kinky coily hair, if you have natural hair, what kind of things you have to do to look a certain way to get that privilege. So like you can be really pretty, but you'll never get access if you don't have certain class signifiers, which is really hard to understand and swallow unless you've been part of that circle. Yeah. This is also part of the reason why like when I was on recruitment panels, I would always disregard what the candidate was wearing unless it was like deeply inappropriate or offensive or they came like naked or something. But if they weren't dressed in a suit and a tie or business suit, it wouldn't count against them in my mind because that shit's expensive. But all those sorts of factors, it's now common for that to potentially work against you if you're not dressed properly for an interview. But we don't think, well, actually, the candidate even affords to dress well for an interview. We don't think about that sort of, I guess, class oppression enough as well. And it's very real. And part of it is because so many of the like white collar jobs, especially if they have a public facing aspect to it, like if you work sales or you work consulting or you work finance, you work something where you're interacting with people all of the time, they want you to be perceived as an authority and they want to project the image of success. And like as a woman, they want you to look like a trophy or as a person who is someone who could be a Fox News anchor. Yeah, exactly. They want you to look a certain way because they want that class privilege for it. They want you to look like you're above the other people they're basically trying to sell things to or scam, right? So that's where I'm saying like the pretty privileged aspect of it. And you'll see stuff like this with women that have like have multi-level marketing schemes or Tupperware, or, like even Mary Kay to a certain extent. Like, you know, they want you to project that I'm being successful for Mary Kay. So they want you to dress a certain way. They want you to look a certain way. They put a certain amount of products, et cetera. And that is to give you like a certain level of class privilege and uh, perceived privilege over other women. So it's like just being pretty, quote unquote, isn't necessarily just the key to like a successful, like, like the class markers and the ability to afford the things, like you belong to a certain social circle and a certain economic demographic actually becomes a lot more important because overall, you don't see men like going to Walmart and like trying to clean up a girl who works at the checkout aisle, right? 
And that's like where I'm saying the pretty privileged thing is so limited. That's why you see a lot of women now trying to like invest in their Instagram. And like, if you're wearing Fashion Nova, you're probably not going to be in that circle. They start buying fake designer bags though. Like, why do you think the fake designer movement is so, the fake designer market is so big? I support fake designer, honestly. I think, fuck those companies. Why are you charging $5,000 for a purse? Honestly, if they can make the same exact purse in China for like... uh, $30? (laughs) You know, pennies, and then charge you $200 for it instead. Honestly, good for you. I I I support that. I support scamming these or undercutting these companies for rich people. Fuck (laughs) them. The knockoffs are probably being made in the same factory and then someone sneaking it out and selling it for slightly above cost because there's no scarcity in half of these bags. It's all class privilege. It's all luxury privilege. Yeah, like Louis Vuitton like burns their merchandise instead of, you know, selling it on clearance because they don't want poor people to have it, you know? So I actually support the fake designer market for that exact reason. Yeah, fuck the rich. I think it does exist. This is my closing argument. I think pretty privilege does exist, but like uh, Ro and Lith have pointed out, ultimately, you know, women who are attractive are still bound by the same, you know, patriarchal constructs and oppression as women who are who are not deemed conventionally attractive. So ultimately, we're still all in the same pit of shit together. I agree. Yeah, my closing argument is pretty much similar. It's like pretty privilege as a woman. It all comes down to cost-benefit analysis. Like, the costs of being beautiful are high. And, oh, and I didn't even talk about the cost of all the actual material costs of all the beauty products, all the money I've probably spent over the course of my life on, you know, hair, makeup, nails, clothes, everything, right? The actual costs of being beautiful for women are so high socially, financially, and so on. And the benefits are pretty minimal. Like, what, free drinks? You get more male attention. I feel like, for women, pretty privilege is very much overblown, and it's more of a liability, And I keep making that argument for plastic surgery, just the amount of women who are putting all of their life savings to get plastic surgery for minimal life benefits. Yeah. Unless you're like a celebrity, why are you getting plastic surgery? That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. I know it's getting a lot more affordable, but like it's affordable and it looks cheap and affordable. (laughs) Like we can You can tell the difference between affordable plastic surgery and celebrity plastic surgery affordable passenger exactly so it's getting more affordable but it's marginally like i know that they have all this like lines of credit you can get to get certain procedures done and i'm like well first of all how are you going to pay that back working how you work now and realistically a lot of them are still dating the same types of men that they're dating before so you're not even seeing them like get a bunch you know a man who has more money so that like he can pay for your now plastic surgery that you went into debt for And it doesn't really increase their career prospects either. So again, it's not like the surgery will eventually pay off itself. Unless they're like legitimately a sex worker or a stripper. And also sex workers have even said it doesn't really change how much they can charge for because, you know, most other strippers and sex workers have had some form of surgery. Like, because the field is so saturated, if a guy wants the BBL look, he can easily get it. And oftentimes he can find a woman who is going to be cheaper than somebody who thinks that they can, you know, whack on an extra thousand dollars just because they've got silicon in their tits now. Like, it doesn't even guarantee that. Facts. (laughs) It's true. And the cost of your health is really, really high. So... Once again, like pretty privilege has its limits. The pressure to be pretty costs a lot and doesn't necessarily give you tangible benefits or power in the real world. And it exists as a entity in which like women can weaponize it against each other to keep men in power. So both the women who feel unattractive, who just immediately, you know, antagonize and ostracize women who they perceive to get more attention from men from them, uh, cough themselves. And then also the women who are like, 
thinking that their power and proximity to a man and then use that to weaponize against women who are less attractive or have less privilege than they are. So in conclusion, (laughs) what do we want to say? Pretty privilege is a thing, but it's not the thing you think. Yeah, the costs are higher, the benefits are minimal, and instead of fighting over pretty privilege, ladies, let's just all come together and realize we're all being fucked by the patriarchy and overthrow it as a team. Let's go. Facts. And stop giving men's opinions so much airtime, which is essentially what this debate is about, ultimately. Yeah, exactly. All right, and that's our show. If you want to debate us on this, check us out on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy. And you can join our discord and discuss this with us. We had a a pretty good and interesting debate after our FemCell episodes. I really do enjoy the feedback that we get from our Patreon subscribers. So subscribe there. Also, you can check us out on the forum, which is www.thefemaledatingstrategy.com forward slash forum, where you can discuss this episode. There's a weekly thread on the episode. Also, check out our newsletter, which has launched us uh, on our newsletter on the website and follow us on Twitter at femdatstrat and on Instagram at underscore the female dating strategy. Thanks for listening, queens. And for all you scrotes out there, U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi, you ugly. Yeah, yeah, you, you ugly. ugly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dime match. See you next week. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs>